Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Today we can go online and listen to the best preachers in the world on our phone or on our computer. We can go to iTunes and listen to the best praise and music worship available. We can even go to certain sites online and receive answers to our questions and counsel with our problems. But there's one thing we can never do online, and and that's live out the one another's of Scripture. Fifty-nine times the New Testament combines a verb with that phrase, one another. We are told to love one another, accept one another, serve one another, forgive one another. Live in harmony with one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, be patient with one another. Bear one another's burdens. We're told to pray for one another and even confess our sins to one another. Fifty-nine times we are told how we are to treat one another as part of the family of faith. And the truth is, the only way that we can ever do that is to be a part of a local community, a local church, because God created us and God saved us to live in relationship. You see, there are some things that we can do without being a part of the local church. We can witness without being a part of the local church. We can go out into our community and share the good news and, and never be a part of the local church. We can worship without being a part of the local church. We can worship on our own in our homes or We can go to a variety of gatherings where people are gathering together to worship. But the one thing that we cannot do without being a part of a local church is is these one another's. We cannot forgive one another and bear with one another and pray for one another and confess our sins to one another. And so for the next nine weeks, this is going to be our focus. Now, as a believer, we all have to live in three relationships. We have an upward relationship, we have an outward relationship, and we have an inward relationship. Our upward relationship is our relationship with God, and and the way that we grow in that relationship with God is, is through spending time in prayer through worshiping him and and through studying his word. The outward relationship is, is our relationship with the world. Those who are not yet a part of the family of faith, those who do not know Jesus. And when it comes to those who are in the world, the Bible says that we are to love them, we are to minister to them, we're to pray for them, and we're to share the hope that we have in Jesus with them. But then there is this inward relationship, this relationship that I have with the body of Christ, my spiritual family, the people of God. And the Bible makes it clear that that my relationship with my family of faith is unique. It's different than my relationship with those who don't know Jesus. Now, to be honest, these one another's, 
I believe, were a lot easier to flesh out back when they were first given to the early church than they are now. You see, when the church first began, the church was in a minority. The church was being persecuted. There was a clear distinction between the world and the church. And and in the early days of the church, there was no such thing as a cultural Christian. Those, Those who call themselves Christians, but... But yet they don't practice their faith. They're they're not involved in a local church. And the truth of the matter is, life was much simpler back then. Today it seems like everything makes it difficult for us to, to build these kind of relationships to flesh out the one another's. I mean, we all have busy work schedules. The fact that we live all over town at different parts of the town, at different parts of the community, and then there's all of these these activities that that we're involved in because of our kids, things like sports and and clubs and band and cheer. and, And it seems like these things keep us running from the time we get up until the time we go to bed. And the truth is, At least in my opinion, we are perhaps more selfish and more self-centered than we've ever been in the history of the world. We, We see this in our consumeristic, it's all about me, it's all about my needs mindset. And yet, you and I as part of the church, you and I who call ourselves Christ followers, cannot deny the fact that Jesus gave us 59 commands on how we are to live in relationship as part of the body of Christ. And you and I need to make fulfilling these commands with one another a priority in our life. And the fact that we struggle here, because I do believe we struggle here, is one of the reasons that that I'm convinced that the church is losing ground in America, in in the West. Jesus said this. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. Did you get that? Did you hear that? Jesus said the one thing that's going to set you apart from the world, the one thing that's going to be attractional to the world is the love that you have for one another. And I am convinced that though many of us struggle in this area, in the area of relationships, we all long for deeper, stronger, real relationships. And I believe the same is true for the lost world today. You see, the problem so often in in the world is the world sees how we treat one another as Christians. The world reads our post on Facebook. The world sees what we say on Twitter. The world sees how we jump from church to church to church because things don't go our way. And the world looks at us and The world is longing for something different relationally. The world is longing for for this supernatural love, and, and yet they don't see it in us. That's why it's so important 
that you and I begin to flesh out these one another's. It's so important that, that you and I learn how to begin to live in relationship with one another because it will not only help us, it will help our witness. Now this morning, as we begin this nine-part series, we're going to focus on what I believe is foundational to all the rest. And some of you are probably going to think that, that what we're going to talk about is love. And love is vital. We are told 15 times in the New Testament that we are to love one another. But that's not where we're going to start this morning. We're going to start with that phrase, be devoted. Be devoted to one another. The reason is because if I'm not devoted to you, I'm not going to bear with you. I'm not going to be patient with you. I'm not going to forgive you. And if I'm not devoted to you, I'm certainly not going to carry your burdens. And so if we are ever going to fulfill these one another's, we've got to recognize that perhaps the first step is for you and I to make a commitment to be devoted to one another. Now listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. He said, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. I want you to listen to how it translates that verse in the God's Word translation. It says, be devoted to each other like a loving family. Now here's how the dictionary defines devoted. It says, devoted is zealous or ardent. In attachment, loyalty, or affection. It is to be dedicated. It is to be committed. That's what it says loyalty or devotion is. Devotion deals with with how I feel. Devotion deals with how I act. Now each one of those words gives us a piece of, of what it means to be devoted. We are to be attached to one another. We are to... Be loyal to one another. We are to have affections toward one another. We're to be dedicated to one another. We're to be committed to one another. But I want you to understand that this verse goes much deeper than that. This verse tells us that to be devoted to one another is to have a family love to one another. To have a familial love to one another. If we are devoted to one another, we are going to love one another like family. Now understand, the Bible over and over again speaks to the church as a family. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, it says, You are members of God's very own family. When you were saved by God's grace and you were born again, you were born into his family and you became a child of God and every other believer became your brother or your sister in Christ and so Paul says you are members of God's family God's very own family in first Peter chapter 2 verse 17 we are told that we are to love our spiritual family in first Peter chapter 3 verse 8 we are told that we should be like one big happy family 
Now, here's what I know about physical families. Physical families aren't happy all the time. Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? I mean, our families have problems. Sometimes our families get upset and aggravated and irritated with one another. I can remember one of my my vivid memories as a child. I was a teenager, was in church. And I was sitting in church and there was a girl sitting on this side and there was a girl sitting on this side. That's how I rolled. And, And these girls were talking to one another. Now, I know you don't believe this, but I wasn't involved in this particular conversation. And this girl was talking to this girl And my dad looked straight at us and said, Rocky, this was in church. That's why I was preaching. Rocky, you need to move. I was a teenager. He moved me to the front row. I got to tell you, we didn't have a happy family that night. There was nothing happy about how I felt that night. And here's what I know about our families. They're not perfect. And the reason is is because none of us are perfect. That's why we have those funny stories about strange Uncle Bob or Aunt Carolyn, who you know is a little bit weird. The reason we have those jokes and we laugh is because every one of us can relate, can't we? I mean, we we look at people, remember that phrase, they're the black sheep of the family? Why do we say things like that? We say things like that because none of our families are perfect. We have problems, we fail, we mess up. And yet, here's what I know about families. Even though we are imperfect and we all mess up and we all blow it, We love one another. I mean, that's just what you do with the family. I mean, you you get pregnant, you go to the hospital, you have a baby, and you love that little baby. You bring that baby home, and that baby pukes all over you. You go to change that first dirty diaper, and, and while you're changing that dirty diaper, it gets dirtier and dirtier. And that baby is just a pain. But you don't take that baby and wrap it back up and take it to the hospital and say, I want another one. Take this one back. No, you love that baby, don't you? And when your parents get older and your parents can no longer care for you, the roles have kind of changed. And now you're caring for your parents. Do you turn your parents in and say, I want two that are 30 years younger than these? No, you don't do that because you love one another and you're devoted to one another. That's how families are. I can remember years ago when I was living in Titusville, Florida. I was in a meeting and this was before cell phones. And my dad found out where I was having this meeting off campus from our church, and he called that office and he said, Son, I need you now. 
And I immediately left that office, went to my home, packed a bag, and drove from Titusville, Florida to Hartsville, South Carolina. Why? Because he was family. I can remember when I was living in in Orlando, Florida, and, and I got a call from my brother. My brother says, I need you. And I left my office, and I went home, and I packed a bag, and I drove up to Atlanta. Why? Because he was family. And because he was family, I was devoted to him, and I was there. And I can remember multiple times when my kids have messed up and they've blown it. And yet I haven't quit loving them. I haven't turned my back on them. I haven't walked away from them. And the reason I haven't is because they are family. (laughs) And even though they mess up and even though they hurt me at times and even though they aggravate me and irritate me and frustrate me, I'm devoted to them because they are family. You've heard the phrase, blood is thicker than water. We have a loyalty, a devotion to our family that that is different than our loyalty and devotion to other people. Wouldn't you agree with that? And yet the Bible says that we who are believers are a family. And and the truth of the matter is, Jesus, listen, Jesus, our Savior, said that the blood that ties us as part of the family of faith is stronger than the blood that ties us to our physical family. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 21. He said, a brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. Jesus is speaking of how the gospel is going to divide people. Even families. You see, blood relationships at their very best will last a lifetime. But spiritual relationships will last for all eternity. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 12 verse 10. And in this verse there are two important Greek words that speak about how we are to live in relationship as part of the family of faith. The first one is Philostorgos and the second is Philadelphia. Now, Philostorgos is is found only here in the New Testament. This is the only place that this word is found in the New Testament, and it speaks of family love. It speaks of the kind of love that a parent has for a child. And i got to tell you, there's something special about the kind of love that we as parents have for our children. I can remember... The first time I saw an ultrasound picture of my firstborn son, it was something. Now, back in that day, ultrasounds weren't as as good as they are today. But I got to tell you, when I saw that ultrasound, I knew that that little boy was going to be the most handsome boy ever born. 
And then several months later, he was born. And I saw him for the very first time. And I fell in love with him. I was smitten. Then we brought him home. He wouldn't sleep. We had put him in his crib and he would cry. And, and we would read the books that you're supposed to keep him in the crib and let him cry. And we would literally let him lie in that crib for hours crying. The boy had some lungs on him. And eventually we just got tired of it and said somebody's got to sleep. And so we would bring him into our bed and put him between us. And we still loved him. And even as our children get older and become adults, we love them. We love them in their successes, don't we? We love them in their failures, don't we? There's just something about a parent's love to their children. And that's the first word that Paul uses here for how we are to live in relationship as a family of faith. We are to love one another and be devoted to one another like a parent is devoted to their children. Now, the second word that he uses here is the word Philadelphia, which refers to brotherly love or fraternal love. And, and that's the kind of love that siblings have with one another. Now, siblings are different than parents, right? You're never going to find a, a, a parent just hauling off and, and hitting their child, hopefully, unless there's something wrong with that parent. But siblings can do that and do it often. I mean, siblings can scrape and fight and call each other names. And yet, when the rubber hits the road, times get tough, a sibling will take a bullet for you, won't they? I mean, there's just something about that, that sibling love, that, that fraternal love. And, and that's what it's saying here. We, we love each other just like a parent loves a child. And, and we love each other just like a brother loves a brother. Even though we may fight and even though we may fuss, when there's a problem, we're going to be there. When there's a celebration, we're going to be there. Why? Because we're brothers. Now, to understand, there are four Greek words for love. And in this one verse where it's talking about how we're to be devoted to one another like a family, we see two of those words. We are to be devoted like a parent is devoted to a child and we're to be devoted like a brother is devoted to a brother. Now there are two things that you need to understand about this love that, that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, he, he's saying that our love is to be both an affection that we feel and an action that we do. Now, chew on that. Our love that we have for one another is to be both an affection that we feel and it's to be an action that we do. Have you ever heard anyone say, well, I love them, but I don't like them. Maybe it was you that said it. I, I mean, if you've ever said that or thought it, raise your hand. My hand's raised. I, I mean, and, and we say that thinking that's biblical. Well, I'm commanded to love them, but I don't have to like them. 
And what you need to understand is this verse debunks that. This verse says that yes, I have to love them. And yes, I have to like them. As a part of the same family, I am called to love them like a father loves a child. I'm called to love them like a brother loves a brother. And you say, that's impossible. Well, it may be impossible apart from God's intervention in our life. But when God gets a hold of us, nothing is impossible. Amen? I mean, after all, look at, look at God. The Old Testament story is a story of God getting aggravated, frustrated, angry, upset with his people, his children, Israel. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy them. I'm going to beat them. I'm going to send them off into slavery. I'm going to do this to them. I'm going to do that to them. And God gets frustrated and God vents. But after God vents, you know what God says? But oh, I love them. <laughs> I so love them. And even when God has to discipline, he disciplines in love. Because that's who God is. And, and the Bible says that we are to do the same thing. You see, our devotion flows out of the relationship we have with members of the same family. And as part of the church, we are to love one another like a, a parent loves a child. And we're to love one another like a brother loves a sister and a sister loves a brother. Now, there are two examples in God's Word that I just want to give you that you can go back and look at yourself. One is found in the book of Ruth. And it's the story of Ruth and Naomi. Do you remember that story? Naomi was, was Ruth's mother-in-law. And they were living in Moab and, and a famine came and, and Naomi's husband died and, and Ruth's husband died and, and, and they ended up heading back to Jerusalem, to Israel. And, and Naomi says, you don't need to come with me. You're, you're not my child. You're not obligated to, to go with me. And, and Ruth says to Naomi, don't ask me to leave you. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will become my people. Your God will become my God. I mean, that's devotion, isn't it? And let me tell you, devotion like that between a Mother-in-law? Supernatural? And yet, that's a picture of that. The second example is, is the example of David and Jonathan. We read about their friendship in, in 1 Samuel, really chapters 18 through 20. In, in chapter 18, verse 1, we are told that when, when David and and, and Jonathan met, there was an immediate bond between them. And, and then in chapter 20, verse 17, we're told that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Think about that. Jonathan loved David as much as he loved himself. That is 
devotion. Now, what does devotion look like? Well, devotion is a dying trait. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's a dying trait in marriages. It's a dying trait at work. It's a dying trait in friendships. And and certainly, it's a dying trait in the church. I mean, we have people that even go through our membership class running together and, and we never see them again. I mean, they go through the class. They get their picture made. And, and, and then they go into witness protection. We, we don't know where they are anymore. And then there are people that come and they get involved and, and a problem comes up. Something happens. Some crazy worship pastor moved the seats. <laughs> messed me up. <laughs> and we sit back and we say things like, I'm not going there anymore. And you think that's being silly. Sure, it's silly. But that's how we do. Now, and hopefully, hopefully we don't do it for something that silly. But we do it for other things that have no eternal consequence. And that's just crazy. We're just not devoted to one another. And yet, if I am devoted to my kids even in the midst of their failures, even in the midst of their hurt and pain that they're causing me, then how much more should I be devoted to my family of faith according to God's Word? Now, what does that look like? Let me give you a couple of things, and then we're going we're gonna to close. First of all, it means that you work out problems rather than walking away from problems. That's not on your note sheet, so write it down. If you're devoted, you're going to work out problems rather than walking away from problems. Relational junk happens. If you're in this church long enough, somebody's going to say something you don't like. Somebody's going to do something you don't like. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. Somebody's not going to meet a need that you have or you perceive that you have. It's just going to happen. Because when we live in relationship with one another and we're imperfect people, we're going to have problems. But... If we're devoted to one another, we're committed to working out those problems rather than walking away from the problems. In our membership class running together, that's why we say when we sign the covenant that we will handle our conflicts biblically. That means that when somebody hurts me and I realize they hurt me, I'm going to go to them to resolve the relationship. That means that when I hurt somebody and I realize I hurt somebody, I'm going to go to them to resolve the relationship. You see, as a child of God, when I realize that there is a relational rift, 
I have a responsibility to deal with it and seek to resolve it regardless of whether I am the offended or the offending party. Does that make sense? That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us multiple times that that's what we're commanded to do. We're not told to bury our head in the sand and and just hope that it goes away. We're not told to flee and, and go somewhere else. We're told to resolve our conflicts biblically. What would happen? What would happen if we as the people of God in America began to say, we're going to handle our conflicts in a way that's honoring and pleasing to God. We're not going to do it on Facebook or Twitter. We're not going to just walk away. We're not going to run and gossip. No, we're going to go to the person. We're going to talk it out. We're going to pray it out. And we're going to resolve our problems. Does this mean that we're always going to agree? No. We're not going to always agree because we have differing opinions. But when it's not about something that is eternally significant, we come to the point where we realize this really isn't that important. It's certainly not important enough to to tear up a relationship. So it means that you work out problems rather than walking away from problems. Second, it means you step in when others step out. Now this deals with the difficult times, the tough times in life. And the fact of the matter is, if, if you live long enough, You or someone you love is going to have some tough times. And I'm not talking about losing a job. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm talking about they blow it. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, we blow it. We mess up. We do something wrong. And what's tragic is all too often when someone messes up and blows it, you know what we do? We go, well, I'm, I can't be in a relationship with them anymore. They've messed up. And we don't do that when we're devoted. If we're devoted, we walk in when everybody else walks out. And we're willing to walk together as we pick up the pieces of our life. And that's what we're called to do. Third, it means that we will rejoice with those who rejoice and we will mourn with those who mourn. It means that we will be willing to be inconvenienced to walk through life with other people. Now notice what this verse says. It says, be devoted to what? To what? One another. Can we say it? Be devoted to one another. Can we say that again? Be devoted to one another. Now, what does that imply? When it says be devoted to one another, it implies a mutual devotion, correct? Would you agree with that? If we're devoted to one another, that means that you're devoted to me, I'm devoted to you, you're devoted to each other, we're all devoted to one another. That's what it means. You, you see, if you have one person that's doing all the devoting, <laughs> That's not healthy. 
The truth of the matter is that's codependent. And that's when you need to go to another one of the one another's. You need to admonish perhaps one another. And there are those times where you sit back and you go, wait a second, I'm, I'm always the one who is stepping in. I'm always the one who is walking up. I'm always the one who is giving out. And that's not the way God intended it to be. God intended for the body to exist in such a way that, that when we are healthy and, and when we are where we need to be, we are able to help those who aren't healthy and aren't where they need to be and vice versa. There is a give and a take here. Now and understand, every other one another is simply a description of this verse. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. How? By forgiving one another. How? By bearing with one another's burdens. How? By encouraging one another. How? By admonishing one another. How? By praying for one another. How? By confessing our sins to one another. And on and on we go through this list. And if we're devoted to one another, we will fulfill each and every one of them. But understand this. Here's what I believe with all my heart. I can be devoted to my blood family just because they're my blood family. I don't think you have to be a Christian to have a devotion to your children. As a matter of fact, I would say that if you're not devoted to your children, it is a sign that you are really a reprobate. If you're not devoted to your siblings, those who are part of your blood family, then that's saying, boy, there's something really deep wrong with you. But to move from being devoted to our blood family to being devoted to people who are not blood, I think can only happen when, first of all, we're devoted to God. It's not natural. It's not natural for me to be devoted to Steve or to John who aren't my kin because I really have no skin in the game with them. And for me to be devoted to them, something has to happen within me to cause me to want to be. And that's where it starts. We're devoted to God. And when we are, then we can be devoted to one another. So my question for you this morning is simple. One, are you devoted to God? Have you made a commitment to Him? And then two, are you willing to be devoted to one another? Because that's how we're to live as part of the family of faith. You're to be devoted to me. I'm to be devoted to you. We are to be devoted to each other as a loving family. And if we do, the world, trust me, the world will take notice. Bow your head with me.
with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, if you're here and you've never committed, you've never devoted your life to Jesus, that's your first step. And to do that, you have to humble yourself before him, admit that you're a sinner, that you've rebelled against him. You've got to trust him to save you, believing that his death on the cross paid the price for your sin. And you have to surrender your life to him. And so if you're here and you've never done that, but today the Spirit of God is telling you you need to, then I want to encourage you to pray this prayer right now. Dear Jesus, I come to you today asking you, begging you to forgive me. I know I've sinned against you. I've rebelled. I'm tired of it. I believe you love me. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose from the grave defeating sin and death for me. Today, I'm trusting you to save me. Come into my life. Take control. Right now, I'm surrendering all to you. I'm giving you my life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me.